0: Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Tuesday, August 11th. We begin with a conversation with Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block. A lot to cover nationally, from the newly announced aluminum tariffs by the U.S. to the latest on the Wee scandal, and of course an update on the current coronavirus situation. Next, we head to Red Deer for an update on Monday's deadly attack on a doctor at a local walk-in clinic. We get the latest from Matthew Conrad, Global's social host. Then we get some job-finding tips and suggestions from an employment professional. Charlene Massey of About Staffing helps to navigate the job market for those on the hunt during this challenging time. And summer's not over yet. If your kids are bouncing off the walls, we may have a solution. Last-minute summer camps. Suggestions from the folks at Calgary's Child Magazine. 6.08 on the morning news from aluminum tariffs to the search for a COVID-19 vaccine and the latest on the Wee scandal. A lot of ground to cover this morning with Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa bureau chief and host of the West Block. Good morning to you, Mercedes.
1: Good morning to you, too. Well, where to start? Well, let's uh,
0: let's take a look at the latest when it comes to the recently announced aluminum tariffs uh, by President Donald Trump. Retaliatory measures on our side of the border yet to come together, and they're still uh, looking through things. What are you hearing? What, what sorts of uh, retaliatory, uh, uh, you know, uh, I guess, plan could we put together that would have an impact?
1: So what we've been hearing for sure is that it will be, as uh, Christian Freeland said, dollar for dollar. Um, they will not, and if this sounds very familiar, it's because it is, mm-hmm. escalate or neither will they come in under what the Americans are doing. They will match it. That was the same strategy they used before. Uh, I can tell you there was a few of us that were running some of those key Freeland phrases uh, through the Google machine, and they were identical to what we heard the last time. The government found that to be a successful approach. It looks like it's the one they're going to be pursuing again. They're still basically in consultations. Um, Now, when they say consultations with with industry and with stakeholders, of course, at the end of the day, they're going to make the decisions. Um, Some of the areas that we fully expect to be targeted are Republican health, and that's very deliberate. It also happens to be where these goods just naturally come from and are made, but it allows the government to get some leverage against the United States. If you have, for example, Republican governors calling, calling the Trump White House their allies of President Trump and saying, What are you doing? This is hurting your base. There's an election in November. If we start losing jobs here, they're going to blame you. Not a good idea. Uh, That's sort of what they're strategically aiming at and what they've used in the past, sort of power levers by leaning on other parts of America that then in turn are the ones who go back to Trump on Canada's behalf, as it were, and say, you know, this is an unreasonable policy and we shouldn't be doing this and it's really hurting us economically.
0: And and here's the thing. I mean, we want to, you know, be careful with our uh, i guess response to a certain extent not to you know hurt further industries in our nation in political funding saying this is just a power play by Donald Trump as he has to hang on to something ahead of November
1: well, and that's that's one of the things that's really always the concern here is, you know, the people who get hurt by these tariffs on both sides of the border, it's not the politicians, it's people mm-hmm. who have these jobs. And so, you know, there's some who say they should have a tougher stance with the U.S. Um, than the dollar for dollar. The challenge and the risk in that is, you know, Donald Trump is highly unpredictable and he can be quite volatile. And if you provoke him, it's a larger economy and it could do even more damage to Canada. So they're trying to kind of play tough by coming up and saying, look, we're being equal, but there's a real resistance to push past that, and there has been before, just because you, you, really genuinely don't know what Mr. Trump might do in response. And particularly when the Canadian economy is still very sensitive and and weakened by COVID-19, anything that happens there is really magnified in the Canadian economy because there are already people struggling for jobs, uh, suppliers that are struggling to stay in business to make these products. So they have to take all of that into account.
0: Let's uh, move on to the we scandal and it seems like the noise surrounding the investigation seems to be quieting somewhat over the past few days or so. So where are we with it? What is the next step?
1: So the arc has kind of come down on this a little bit, but I'd say buckle up because that could change Uh, going forward. We are expecting to hear testimony uh, from two cabinet ministers today who were around the table when this decision was made, and and there's going to be likely a lot of questions about what they knew about the Trudeau's relationships uh, with we, if that was disclosed, if they would have made the same decision, as well as looking at issues around employment and procurement, uh, both of which are at the heart of because the argument the government had made was that the WE Charity was the only one in Canada that could possibly have administered this program. And there's been a lot of questions that have come up about whether or not that's actually true, including revelations that they hired a large PR firm known as National PR, to basically administer the French part of the program because they didn't have that capacity. Well, um, that's pretty significant capacity when you're talking about parts of Canada to not be able to have. So look for that. The other big thing we're waiting for, 5,000 documents were provided to committee uh, back on Saturday. There are lawyers and clerks pouring over those redacting parts of them. We don't know when we're going to get them yet. We were sort of on uh, tenterhooks yesterday waiting. It, it can take a significant period of time for that to happen. But those Those documents will actually reveal, depending on the redactions, how the decisions were made and what the actual bureaucrats, sorry, what the actual bureaucrats themselves recommended to the government. And if that's consistent with what the government has been saying publicly.
0: And what do we know about the organization itself uh, when it comes to WE? I mean, this this is an organization that's been around for years. Is it continuing to operate during this investigation or has it been kind of put on pause?
1: Well, it sort of put a lot of its programming on pause simply because of the global pandemic to begin with. And in fact, they had gone into mass layoffs when this happened, which further raised questions uh, of how they were selected to administer the program if they were laying people off who weren't in the, not just physically in the offices, but no longer with the organization uh, in order to administer these programs. So the future of we is still very unclear, uh, but I think that it's in a very different place in terms of public perception from where it was when you had these big Wee days being celebrated all across the country uh you know just a few months ago before the pandemic so how we comes out of this in the future will be very interesting to watch as well
0: all right uh, COVID 19 and the hunt for a vaccine continues with over 150 teams across the globe working toward a successful vaccination we're hearing this morning in our news with brenda uh, just minutes ago that russia has announced that they have a workable vaccine and i'm wondering how we're doing here in canada
1: so Canada has signed an agreement with two pharmaceutical giants, including a name a lot will recognize, Pfizer, mm-hmm. uh, to get a vaccine when it's developed. We are, however, behind the United States. So the first big order is going to go to the U.S. They bought that uh, and they could potentially be as much as a year ahead of us on a delivery date. Canada is scheduled to be able to get it around 2021 if it's available. Mm-hmm. That's a really big if, though, because we've interviewed a lot of immunologists, virologists, medical experts up. Uh, on the west block and the one thing we consistently hear is that they are very concerned that the timeline that's being put out there is not realistic Uh, and and folks say well it's kind of like the influenza vaccine we'll come up with something these doctors point out there's actually never been a vaccine for any kind of a coronavirus that's the cold virus for the influenza virus which is totally different Uh, and so it's not as simple as sort of how they update the flu virus every year they have to figure out if they can do a virus for the, the coronavirus vaccine if that works they then also have to prove the safety because Mm -hmm. they can't start mass vaccinations without that. So a lot of virologists are saying that is a minimum of two to four years away at the earliest before you could safely be giving that vaccine to people. Um, And it's interesting because a lot of politicians keep talking about, well, once we have a vaccine, there's an increasing number of academics who seem to think that the pandemic will likely have largely passed by the time a vaccine is in fact developed. Uh, It will continue to potentially be useful in the same case as something like measles as the disease circulates, but the, the worst of it would already be over simply because of how long this takes. Of course, I think everybody hopes that's wrong and maybe that there's so much pressure in this case, they develop it faster, but the experts don't think that pressure necessarily can speed up science in some cases.
0: Okay, we got about, double will listen in a minute, but I want to talk about the Conservative Party of Canada. Apparently, we'll know who the leader is by the end of this month. I don't have a date in front of me. Maybe you do. That's why we have you on. Uh, but uh, you, you'd think, you know, Peter McKay and Aaron O'Toole. Uh, but stop it right there. Here comes Leslyn Lewis, a Toronto lawyer. How much is she going to change the dynamic of this leadership race, or does she even have a shot?
1: Well, I mean, that's the big question. I I don't think a lot of people think she necessarily will win, although it's certainly possible. Anything is possible. But what she will do... Without a doubt, is have significant sway because she represents a, a significant number of social conservative voters who are looking at her very seriously as their candidate. Uh, therefore, if she doesn't win, whoever she endorses, she potentially becomes the kingmaker with, with those votes going there. The ballots, you know, are being submitted now as we speak. Uh, there's, I think, about two more weeks on that. I don't want to give you an exact date in case I'm off, but it is okay. around the end of August. Uh, that said, the party has said we. We may not know who the leader is until into September because they have to count all these votes that are coming in by mail. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see, but that's that's a big question ahead for sure will be, what is the Leslin Lewis effect? Uh, is it as big as people think? Is it overblown? Um, and how does that potentially change who the next leader of the Conservative Party is? So uh, we'll be keeping absolutely a very close eye on that, uh, as per usual, as we juggle our many balls mm-hmm. that are all on fire in <laughs> Ottawa.
0: <laughs> yeah, a lot of busy, crazy time. Thanks for your time this morning, Mercedes. Thanks for having me. That is Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block. Time now for helicopter traffic for West District by Truman, a mix of unique single-family homes, townhomes, and condos.
2: In northwest Calgary, we're still getting reports of a collision 19th Street and North Mount Drive. Watch for emergency crews that might be arriving on scene. Westbound on Highway 1 from Chestermere, 10 to 15 minutes as you make your way over to Deerfoot. Northbound Deerfoot from Cranston and Seaton up to 17th Avenue is a 15-minute drive. Northbound McLeod Trail, 20 minutes from Stony Trail to 17th Avenue downtown. And southbound Crowchild Trail, 20 minutes from 12 Mile Coulee Road down to Glenmore. A message from Canadian Blood Services. Blood donors are needed to fill over 2,200 appointments in Calgary this month. Appointments are required. Book now at blood.ca. For the 770 CHQR Traffic Helicopter, I'm Phil Jensen.
0: 843, and normally in this slot, uh, we're joined by Danielle Smith, brought to you by Jamin Built, uh, building resort-style bungalows in the exclusive community in Riversong in Cochrane. But right now we're heading to Red Deer. A doctor is dead and a man is in custody following an attack at a walk-in clinic in Red Deer on Monday afternoon. Officers were called to the Village Mall walk-in clinic just after 11 a.m. with reports of an attack with a weapon. Matthew Conrod, Global Social Host, is on location this morning in Red Deer at the strip mall where the deadly attack took place. Good morning, Matthew.
3: Andrew, good morning to you. How are you today?
0: Good. thank you for joining us this morning. Well, news of this incident certainly shocking to everyone who mm-hmm. who uh, read the, the initial reports. I would imagine that it has hit the city of Red Deer very hard. Have you heard from any residents you've uh, come into contact with this morning? What what have you heard from them, I should be saying? Uh-huh.
3: I got here this morning at around uh, probably quarter after 6, 6.30, and there was a gentleman um, putting down a bouquet of flowers. There's about half a dozen uh, bouquet of flowers um, and some cards, uh, people just leaving anything they can to offer their thoughts and condolences uh, for what happened here yesterday. Uh, he didn't want to speak to me on camera, but we spoke to her for a few minutes while he sat in his car, and he was obviously very visibly shaken. Uh, he said that uh, the doctor that was killed yesterday was his physician effort for uh, a couple of years uh, that he always uh, they always got along very well. He never had uh, any issues with him. Uh, that the doctor he thought that uh, they had a great relationship, and uh, also just saying that he had a very difficult time sleeping last night, uh, and that it, this whole thing is shaking the, the uh, community of Red Deer. So, and uh, there's also a, a vigil uh, being planned uh, on Friday that's going to be at City Hall. This it's according to the Red Deer um advocates So that's going to be 7 p.m at uh, city hall uh, for people to go out there and uh, remember the victim that was uh, killed yesterday and obviously a very horrific incident that of course is going to shake an entire community as it would anywhere
0: so many unanswered questions at this point matthew do you know anything else anything further about the man responsible for this attack
3: so the RCB haven't released too many or too many um, too much information about this. They did uh, address the, to the media last night around uh, 930, uh, 10 o'clock. Uh, they didn't uh, talk about uh, the weapon that was used. Uh, but they obviously were responding to reports of a weapon being used. We also spoke to uh, witnesses uh, that were here at the clinic. Uh, Some witnesses saying that they uh, remember seeing the suspect uh, leaving uh, the clinic uh, with a hammer uh, in his hand. They also uh, remember hearing police at one point yelling to the suspect to put down the machete. Uh, The RCP saying yesterday that there was an altercation between one of their officers and the suspect, uh, that an officer was hit with a blunt object. What that blunt object is, we don't really know. But in terms of any other details. Uh, about uh, about the suspect, uh, about the victim, not uh, not a whole lot is known. Uh, there's uh, quite a uh, significant police presence here this morning. Um, RCMP officers at the uh, front of the clinic as well as the backside. So clearly, this will be an ongoing investigation. But uh, perhaps we will learn more throughout uh, throughout the week. But obviously, right now, I think a lot of uh, thoughts are with, of course, the, the victim's family. That's why the vigil will be planned. Uh, the mayor of Red Deer she released a statement yesterday offering her condolences uh, to the family as well as uh, the medical community. So just a very uh, horribly uh, horrific incident and obviously very sad as well.
0: I would expect the scene itself uh, is certainly, you know, um, you know, taped off and uh, nobody can get into that area at this point. It's still under lockdown for the investigation?
3: Oh, oh yeah, it's, it's completely taped up. Um, the um, Red Deer Emergency Services, a command unit, it's parked out front. Uh, there's one RCMP vehicle with an accident inside, uh, right outside the front door. But there are been people uh, arriving here this morning Uh, perhaps to to make an appointment or to go into the clinic. And they're, you know, speaking to myself and and my uh, camera camera guy this morning asking is the clinic closed and what happened. So some people are still, uh, they're still unaware of what happened here yesterday. But uh, clearly it's going to be like this for quite some time as um, the major crimes unit, as I mentioned, they're uh, assisting in the investigation. So um, for some people here arriving at the clinic this morning and just sort of now just learning what happened yesterday.
0: Thanks for your time this morning, Matt. You're welcome. That is Matthew Conrad, Global Social Host. 847, helicopter traffic for West District by Truman. Only one traffic light from the mountains
2: like a great drive out there on Deerfoot this morning. Northbound, only 15 minutes from Cranston and Seaton to 17th Avenue. Southbound Highway 2 from Airdrie, also only about 15 minutes as you make your way down to Memorial Drive. Coming in from Cochrane, a 20 to 25 minute drive on Highway 1A as you make your way down to 16th Avenue. There is some construction. Southbound Crowchild Trail at Bow Trail, the left lane, will be closed until 5 o'clock tonight. That will definitely cause some backups throughout the day. A message from Canadian Blood Services. Blood donors are needed to fill over 2,200 appointments in Calgary this month. Appointments are required. Book now at blood.ca. For the 770 CHQR Traffic Helicopter, I'm Phil Jansen. Major routes are looking really great this morning. Northbound on Deerfoot, 15 minutes from Cranston and Seaton up to 17th Avenue. Southbound on Highway 2 out of Airdrie, also a 15-minute drive as you make your way down to Memorial. Westbound, Highway 1 from Chestermere, 15 minutes over to Deerfoot. Coming out of Cochrane, about a 20-minute drive as you make your way down to 16th Avenue. And just a reminder that on southbound Crowchild Trail at Bow Trail, the left lane will be closed until 5 o'clock. The Love You by Shoppers Drug Mart program is committed to advancing women's health. Visit shoppersdrugmart.ca slash you to learn more. From the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter, I'm Phil Jensen.
4: I'm a
3: hard-working man. I wear a steel hard hat. I can ride rope, a hammer.
0: 709 on the morning news. Finding work might seem impossible in the middle of a pandemic, but there is opportunities out there. How do you find work and where do you look? We are joined now by Charlene Massey, founder of About Staffing, who has tips and tricks to offer up. Good morning to you, Charlene.
5: Good morning, Andrew. How are you? Good.
0: Thank you for taking the time with us this morning. Your business is helping people find a job. So I'm wondering what sorts of businesses are offering up jobs this time? I think many people at home without work might be thinking it's not worth worth it. There are no opportunities. So are there the opportunities out there right now?
5: Well, there are some opportunities, certainly uh, in the industrial centre. What we've found out anyway is that a lot of the temporary placements are going Mm -hmm. long-term. It's not just an hourly thing anymore. It's more like, uh, you know, temporary but multiple needs. So there are opportunities. Construction is busy, industrial is busy in all the sectors. Um, and, And you know what? There are some confidential placements, some underground placements happening uh, so it's kind of an interesting world we're we're in right now where, you know, if employers are looking to hire, they're hiring secretly. Uh, they're not really posting mm. them anywhere. So it's kind of a fun, fun place to be.
0: Is there a reason for that? Why would they want to uh, have a covert posting, if you will?
5: Yeah, because uh, the employees who have kept their jobs during all of this time um, are, are getting a, a little bit pushy or maybe they don't want to go back full time. Or, you know, sometimes certainly it's because they have child care issues or whatever. Um, but, uh, you know what, they're they're demanding from employers. The employers are not happy with that. And so that's where uh, the bulk of the direct hire orders are coming from these days.
0: Okay, so when, when you talk to somebody who's on the hunt for a job, how important and how much do you underscore the fact that they might have to be you know, more flexible in compromise and compromise, and might be uh, looking at a job that's not exactly what what they've perhaps done in the past.
5: Well, and I, I think really the key too is to be appreciative uh, of your employer. If you're currently already working, then mm-hmm. then I think you better be appreciative that you kept your job throughout this time. Mm-hmm. And and you know, um, I think too for the job seekers out there. Uh, We just started a company called Mm Jobshift.com, and uh, very affordable. We're talking $5 a month here for people to get the tips and tricks um, on how to find a job in this crazy high unemployment market. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, you know, I think the real key is for people to really learn to stand out from the crowd, um, be positive and appreciative, uh, and learn how to search for a job these days okay. because it's, it's full-time work, looking for work if you're unemployed and you don't know how to do it. So, yeah, lots of info there. <laughs> okay, well,
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I would think also there could be a huge sector of people who were, quote-unquote, packaged out. Uh, maybe you were, uh, you know, laid off. They have this package. Is that something I have to really think about and get the nuts and bolts of before I apply for a new job?
5: Uh, yes. Uh, depends on the package, of course, too. But, okay. uh, you know, there's a lot of people who are uh, sitting there thinking, oh, gee, I, you know, I've got a package or I'm on CERB. Uh, I think I'll wait it out. Mm-hmm. And my huge concern for the unemployed population right now is that they're going to wait until their package runs out or until CERB runs out, which will be October, I think, 16th at the moment, um, which, you know, really is going to create a huge influx of applicants and so every single person out there is going to have hundreds or maybe thousands of people competing with them for every single one job so it's it's going to be chaos
0: that's a very good point point. And, and to that point with these government programs i'm wondering from your seat and from what you do professionally how often are you hearing from employers as you mentioned with those covert job openings that are saying my employees you know just simply won't come back is that quite common in our city
5: uh, it is right now. Uh, I think, too, that the employers just don't, just don't know, just like the rest of us. Like, it really, nobody really knows, is their job safe? Is it not safe? Will I be able to get my job back? I don't know. If not, is the employer going to accept me back, mm. uh, or am I going to have to compete for the job I, I thought I was going to go back to uh, with thousands of applicants? And then what are my chances if that occurs? Uh, So who really knows, but I do expect that September, October um, for the job search arena, it's going to be just ridiculous, A 20, 25% unemployment rate uh, is expected, and that's kind of a guesstimate of course even though nationally i think it's at 10.9 but the truth of it is probably 20 or so here 20 Mm percent unemployment and maybe higher so just imagine competing against that number of people uh it's just it's going to be very difficult to get through how do you get to the top of the pile right Uh, how do you get to the top of the applicant pile
0: And I would think, like you mentioned, starting now, I never even uh, put the two and two together. Come the fall, it is going to be gangbusters. Let's talk about, you know, maybe I've been working full-time for years. Maybe that's all I've ever known, but the opportunities out there might be part-time. If you can talk about some of the bonuses of taking a part-time job, aside from getting your foot in the door, it it might be a different world for you, but it's maybe not a bad thing.
5: Yeah, that's right. Because what we've actually found just in the last several weeks, like maybe eight weeks or so, is that the... The, uh, the part-time or temporary or whatever, they're turning into long-term. They're turning into uh, overtime, which actually shocked me the most, I think, in this whole thing is that overtime opportunities are, I mean, that's time and a half. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, these people who, who may say, oh, geez, I don't want to take that role, uh, you, you just don't know, like, there is lots of stuff happening And once you get your foot in the door, like you mentioned, uh, you really have an opportunity to then maybe go permanent. Um, Who knows? You know, none of us know anything really anymore. I've been doing it for 30 years. I really don't know what's coming tomorrow. Um, But, you you know, you you just have to do your best. And I really, really stress the, the, you know, standing out from the crowd. um, And I really, really stress the appreciation because Mm -hmm. the employers are feeling so unappreciated and they've been under so much stress at the same time. So it's, uh, that's been the biggest complaint I've had uh, from the employer side is just, you know, I feel very unappreciated for hanging on to my people. And, uh, and that's uh, not fair to me. So therefore, I need to try to figure out how I'm going to replace or, or, or deal with that or hire temporary instead or whatever the case may be. And uh, I think they're really looking for the pat on the back, which we've never heard that before.
0: And before we let you go, uh, Charlene, I want to ask you this. I mean, maybe you do have a job right now. Maybe you, you're thinking of looking, or, but maybe, you know, you're sitting pretty safe. So you think, how important is it if you've been in the same job for 10, 15 years to have a current resume uh, ready to go?
5: Right. And, you know, things have changed, uh, which is why we started JobShift.com just yesterday um, is because people do not know what today's world looks like anymore. And the keyword searches and uh, being able to navigate Mm -hmm. the platforms now, the applicant tracking systems, um, being able to do virtual interviews and update your LinkedIn profiles and other profiles, it's very uh, technical now. And I think there are a lot of people sitting out there who just don't know how to navigate the new world. Um, and so that's why we actually started this new this new initiative.
0: Wow. In, incredible stuff. It's a, it's a difficult and a, a changing time. So thank you for doing all that you do, Charlene. We appreciate it. Oh,
5: thank you very much, Andrew. I appreciate you too.
0: That is Charlene Massey, founder of About Staffing. And of course, you can find out more about what she does at aboutstaffing.com. 717 Helicopter Traffic for West District by Truman, Calgary's newest and best master plan community.
2: Southbound, Deerfoot to Southland Drive. Both a tow truck and a flatbed truck are on scene. Watch for people walking around through the area, though delays are very, very minor. Uh, Right now we're taking a look at Glenmore Trail by 37th Street in the southwest. Lots of pylons out in the road. We're also seeing a little bit of a tricky merge for drivers on eastbound. Glenmore just east of 37th Street might cause a couple minutes delay. Southbound on Crowchild Trail at Bow Trail, there is some daytime construction. The left lane will be closed there until 5 o'clock tonight. That's also a repeating closure 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. each day this week until Friday. Tonight's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $15 million. Dream to the max with an estimated $15 million from Lotto Max. From the 770 THQR Traffic Helicopter, I'm
4: Phil Jensen.
0: nineteen on the morning news here on 770 chqr are the kids going stir crazy yet we may be only a few weeks away from the return to school but if your kids could use a little distraction it's not too late uh, too late to look at a summer camp as an option to keep the kids engaged and entertained with some last minute options we're joined by ellen percival of calgary's child magazine good morning to you ellen
4: good morning
0: I I reached out to you. I was kind of fishing. Sometimes in the radio business, it's a little self-serving. So I was just just kind of curious because my kids are telling me that they're bored. Are there any opportunities in the summer camp world available on this, the uh, 11th of August?
4: Actually, there, there absolutely are. Um, we have both kinds of camps. Um, we have in-person, mm-hmm. and we also have at-home. So, there's a, obviously, it's virtual at-home. There's lots of them. Many of them offer um, camp kits that they drop off, which are mm-hmm. wonderful, loaded full of goodies and interactive things that you can do along with the kids or on their own. But we still have some in-person if the kids just need to blow off some steam. And it's probably a really good time to start thinking about helping them get back into a routine and a schedule, helping them focus. Okay. So you know what I'm saying there. It's it's almost time to get back to school. The
0: alarm clock.
4: Yeah. So Calgary Reptile Parties has some wonderful camps. You can learn about reptiles and amphibians and animals. Um, The YMCA is doing a wonderful series uh, called Summer Moments. Mm -hmm. And you can do that. uh, Your kids can do that 8 to 11 or your families five years and up so that's that's a lot of fun and they have play all over um school of rock yes we, that? That. Yeah, we wanna, love that yeah we love that want to join a band there you go ten of has wonderful art classes running uh calgary young people's theater has drama so there's still lots of options there isn't a ton of availability so we do have a full list um at calgaryschild.com and you can take a look at all the at home and the in-person camp options and check directly with the camp provider. But they're all doing a wonderful job of distancing, keeping your kids safe, busy, and, and you know, active.
0: What I like about summer camps, Ellen, is, and I'm sure that you've uh, gone through this as well, I think every parent has, you have these grandiose ideas come September. You want to get your kid enrolled in something. You enroll them, and a few weeks later they say, this isn't for me, but the issue is you paid for eight weeks or 12 weeks. Exactly. Summer camp gives the, the kids and families, for that matter, a taste of, of a different event, doesn't it? A different, uh, um, you know, hobby, if you will.
4: It absolutely does, and, and it's a really low-stress, low-risk way to do that. You don't want to sign them up for a year of music lessons only to find out that that's not really their thing. And then that you know, that's a whole other party, isn't it, Annie? Like we know that. Yes. That you know, so this certainly is right. You're you're not wrong and that this is a wonderful way to introduce kids to different activities uh in a in a one week little snippet. And then if they love it, many of course these camp providers often uh offer programs all year long. So then <laughs> you can continue.
0: And you got to look at the positive here. You say that there's limited availability. You can find out more at calgaryschild.com. You have the list of what is still available. But if you look back, you know, uh, uh, pre-pandemic in previous years, if we were talking in, in mid, mid-August, you'd be crazy to think there'd be space in anything. So it might be an opportunity for those people who have never had a summer camp
4: experience. Absolutely. And, it, and it's a wonderful way for us to help the community as well. To help those camp providers of course they have limited enrollment now much smaller camps and they're doing an amazing job they've put together programs that are thoughtful considerate still fun uh entertaining um lots of education value there too you, your kids get to get out and see mm-hmm. other kids but in a safe environment so it's wonderful to support them too and you're right normally this time of year there'd be no way you'd be getting into anything
0: Maybe an interesting time, but maybe an interesting opportunity. Thank you so much, Ellen.
4: You're so welcome.
0: That is Ellen Percival of Calgary's Child magazine and, of course, online at calgaryschild.com.